I'm Anya, and I spent decades compartmentalizing and suppressing the different parts of myself. I woke up at age 40 exhausted, confused, and completely out of alignment. These days, I am definitely not your run-of-the-mill bored housewife. So if you are tired of the shame narrative around sex and pleasure, and you're ready to be all facets of yourself, let's create sexual alchemy. This is a Soulfire production. Hello, lovers. Welcome back. Happy March. At least that's when you're going to get this episode. I cannot believe we are already in the third month of 2022. What the hell? I don't know how it's gone so quickly already, but here we are. So happy March. I hope everybody had a great February. I've often I've often felt like February, not only, and I've said this before, it's the start of the new year to me. I feel like January is the bridge between the previous year and the new year. So for me, February was definitely like, we're actually in the new year now and it's time to rock and roll, time to get shit done. But it's also sometimes been kind of a dark year or a dark month in at least my prior experience. So maybe maybe March will bring us some fun, good juju, fun energy. And I know that today's episode will. So I'm really excited today to welcome Megan Sapphire to the show today. Megan has a long career history in radio and podcasting, but she is not your average radio personality. Since 2009, she has been on a variety of radio outlets, including CBS Radio, Sirius XM, and iHeartRadio stations. Sapphire, also known as at times, has also worked behind the scenes in the adult industry since 2012 when Playboy asked her to be a host and producer. Her mission is to use her radio talents to spread sex positivity and create safe spaces for sex workers. Beyond that, Megan has lots of irons in the fire. She has a current project called Sapphire's Earplay. It was a podcast for many, many years, and now she's doing ad hoc episodes as they are inspired and as she feels as though she wants to put them out. And she has lots of other things to tell us about. So without further ado, let's talk to Miss Megan, Miss Sapphire, however we want to go today. It's going to come out. Hi, lady. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Oh my God. I'm so happy that you're here. I've been looking (laughs) forward to this one. We had like a a bit of a, like a pre-interview, if you will, last Saturday. And I sent her an invite this week for the show and she accepted it. And then like the next day it was like a decline. And I was like, oh no, Megan doesn't want to be on the show now. I don't know. What did I do to offend her? And so I reached out here we are. We're still, we're still on. We're still here. We're still here. It does not, you know, it it will take a lot to offend me. Let me just put that (laughs) first and foremost. Um, technology is a motherfucker. I can cuss on you, right? You can cuss. Perfect. We're explicit every episode. (laughs) Perfect. Because you know what? It's one thing when I got to report traffic and I have to like keep a clean face, but (laughs) honey. No, it's the weekend. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I cuss like a sailor, so you know, I'm just gonna let you all know you're in for a ride. Yeah, you don't like it? <laughs> hop off, hop off the airway. Get the fuck out. Get the fuck out while you can. But um, <laughs> too late. No. You might as well stay. Right? You might as well. I, I got you tantalizing. I know your ears are percolating. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, lady, it's so good to hear your voice and have you same. here. Same, yeah. same. We did we it. Are. We're here. We made it. 
We made it. And we're going to talk about some shit today. We don't really know where this is going to go. We have some topics that we might bring up. We know we'll get there. Um, But before we dig into any of that, I would just love to hear a bit about the journey, about how Megan became Megan Sapphire and or just Sapphire or wherever we're going to go with this. I want to know about you. So it's crazy. Um, 2009 was where I really got started and I was a... Gosh, a second year junior. Yes, that is a thing, y'all. Okay. <laughs> second year junior. A second year junior. That shit can happen. Okay, because my uh my major, which is radio broadcasting, it was a popular major. And, you know, there's a thing called impacted classes. So I was held back a year because my classes were filled. So, anyways, I was given an opportunity to be on the college radio circuit as a class teacher basically said it was like what you put out on the radio shows is what your grade's going to be at the end of the year and I was like well this is something I've always wanted to do I was inspired by the the radio greats talking about Howard Stern Wendy Williams Mm. Dr. Drew Psycho Mike of Loveline I even got to later on in life be on one of the last tapings and see the last uh, tapings of Loveline, which was an honor because anybody who lives in LA or even just knows of Dr. Drew, you know, Loveline was a pretty big deal in the nineties and mid two thousands. So to have that opportunity and kind of do like my own take was great. In fact, my show was so controversial. They wanted to pull me off the air at school. And wow. I was like, mind you, we were a Friday night slot, um, eight to almost like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. Cause we were like the last show and everybody knew you are not allowed to take that slot. So I did the show for three years, um, or two years, sorry, as a, like I said, college junior, second year junior into my senior year. And by the time I graduated in 2012, I was able to midway like it was the January before my graduation and I got an email from Playboy saying we want your podcast Mm. and I thought it was a joke so I had to call my family lawyer who's also my uncle I was like does this look legit because they're sending me an (laughs) offer and I'm not even graduated yet and mind you like a month before that I had called out the station I was like I'm a college senior I need a job as soon as I get, you know, as soon as I graduate, I need a job. And so that's basically what happened. Um, Mm. And for a while, we were battling ratings with Sex with Emily for the longest because there weren't a lot of sexuality podcasts as there are now. So I like to toot my own horn and say I was a pave, like I was a paving mark in that. Like I could say I'm a podcast pioneer because I remember the first time I told people like oh I have a podcast they're like the fuck is a podcast I was like well it's a a recorded radio show you know and we went from having kid you not five listeners to by the time I graduated about 300 plus just on the live stream in college and we were the most popular show blowing people out of the water and it was so it was so crazy that people were really tuning in that one time we even crashed the station. So they had to up the stream. They're mm. like, <laughs> so to go from being more bandwidth here, please. Yes, more bandwidth. And so to go from being like, 
controversial, almost never, you know, not even going to have a, a radio show for the time being. And, you know, my college professors really were like, no, she's on to something. And, you know, to be one of the most successful students out of my graduating class to still talk to you guys today, it, it's crazy. It's a wild, it's a wild ride. So to go and graduate, as I tell people, I graduated on a Friday and by that Monday, I was working at Playboy as well as another radio station here in LA, just behind the scenes and just working yeah. my way up in different, different areas. So I've literally worked in every position except for the street team promotions, everything else I've worked my way up in. Yeah. So oh, you mean you haven't had to be out there beating the street, handing out freebies? No, but I definitely had to go out in the streets, you know, and, and be like, hey, meet the morning show and meet your afternoon yeah. co-hosts. And God, I, I used to love and hate it at the same time. Because <laughs> yeah. like you'd be at really fun locations. And then there's other ones where you're like, why the fuck am I standing outside of a T-Mobile tonight? Like, right. no, no, I could be at a concert. OK, <laughs> I'd be backstage interviewing somebody. But no, I got it stand in front of a T-Mobile and do an opening, like, <laughs> bye. Bye. <laughs> so, I mean, but what was it that made you want to be a pioneer? I mean, you didn't know you were going to be a pioneer in the sex radio space, but like what made you want to talk about sex on radio? Um, it's crazy because I knew that at the time, especially in college, believe it or not, as much as people are partying, having, you know, mind, just mind-blowing even not so mind blowing sex. Not so mind blowing sex. You'd be a bit surprised of how many you know kids, and we're still kids in college. Let's let's totally. be real. Your twenties, <laughs> you're still a fucking child. Like you're still yeah. learning. Yeah. So it's it was amazing to hear you know eighteen, nineteen year olds asking me for advice because they still don't know how to put on a condom properly. They mm. don't know where to get tested, how often they should be getting tested. And so the whole thing kind of started even before I was asked to be on the radio program. Um, that wasn't actually supposed to happen. So I used to hold space in my dorm. We'd call my mom, my roommate and I with our friends because my mom's a nurse mm -hmm. and we just, Ask, ask her, her anything. Questions. Yeah. It's like, ask, ask me questions. anything hour. Okay. Yeah. And then, you know, I would always provide condoms from, you know, my friends. So even like when I wasn't there and my roommate was there, everybody knew like, yo, Megan's got condoms. They'd just go to my room, pick up, you know, a couple condoms, throw me some dollars. That's it. Yeah. I had a whole ass business. I had a whole <laughs> ass it. business my freshman year. Like Absolutely. Get it where you can. You've got to yeah. pay for pay for your shit somehow in college. Yeah. And you know, it's crazy because I went to school in San Francisco and you know, it's very liberated up there. I, I have mm -hmm. to say, like, a lot of my own exploring of sexuality came from being up north, you know, just being able to sexually express myself the way that I always wanted to. Because mm -hmm. I've always been a sexual person, but okay. San Francisco really like whew, if gave the walls you permission talk, in a new way. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so it was really dope to be in a space and to be in a city where sex wasn't really shunned in mm -hmm. the first place. Um my school, San Francisco State, they're one of the first um, human sexuality um, courses that offered, 
you know, real life studies on campus. So a lot of the research that you may read even today, yeah, a lot of it came out of our college, you know, That's and we'd awesome. be a part of that. We'd go to Kink um, when it was still around at filming at the Big Castle. We got to go to Kink due to a class, which was yeah. dope as hell. And so I just knew that I wanted to take it somewhere else because I was also studying broadcasting, but I was also trying to be a television critic. And I found myself hating television. <laughs> well, it's so easy then, to be a critic of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not that I, I, it, was, it was horrible because that's my escape. Anybody who knows me, like I am always watching TV while on air, believe it or not. I'll have these headphones You can multitask on. like that? Oh yeah, I can. I'm crazy with the multitasking, girl. I can't. I can't write and speak at the same time. <laughs> I I have to. I could do a bajillion things. Like I have my TV, but I also have my iPad that I'll watch TV on, and then I'll have one earpod with one TV show, and I'm you know my other uh, headphones are on my ear, and I'm working. I applaud you. Thank you. It's just. <laughs> So what you got to do, it's just what it, it's what you got to do. So um, before I lose my train of thought, my one of my professors overheard me giving sex advice to somebody before class and she pulled me aside and I thought she was going to kick me out of class. And she's like, I've been meaning to tell you, you're a great public speaker. I think you're in the wrong department. And I heard <laughs> the advice we were giving. And while granted, it was a little explicit, I couldn't help but say, we need to put you on radio. Yeah. She's like, have you voice. thought about that? I was like, yeah. Even as a kid, I always wanted to be in entertainment. Yeah. I have tapes of me from my Fisher Price days recording <laughs> myself mimicking radio shows from L.A. And I've got to work at some of those stations. Like fast forward, you know, graduating from college and I get to play my fake demo tapes for radio legends here in LA that I got to work with side by side. Like that yeah. was just, it's amazing. It's crazy how things become full circle. So yeah. Yeah. After that. And it's was, full circle because she heard you talking about sex, told you to be on the radio and then you were on the radio talking about sex. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I've had some great radio jobs and then I've had some not so great jobs. My yeah. first ever internship in college was a nightmare it was a shit show and they really tried to uh, prevent me from getting hired mm. at another station, manipulated audio and made me seem like a whore because, yeah, I'm sexually explicit, but they didn't have to go and taint me as a certain character, a certain Jezebel, as you want to call it. Right. Um, right. But yeah, it happens. It happens. It does. Yeah. Any industry, but particularly entertainment, I think. Having yeah. heard some of your backlog of episodes on Sapphire's Earplay, um, you know, you, you've kind of blown the lid off of certain aspects of the entertainment industry, the sex work industry, that sort of thing. And I was hearing, I can't remember the name of the guests, but there were a couple of women that were talking to you about um, just kind of different aspects of discrimination they had experienced as sex workers within the industry and I'm sure I think you I just know who you're talking about yeah, yeah. uh you're and talking there's about just gotta be so oh, much of that no it, totally fine but there's just has to be so much of that and it's I'm certainly happy for us to chat about it too you know it, it's crazy because I 
one of the episodes I vividly, vividly remember, and I'll never forget this, um, Ginger Banks. And we were talking about, I think the episode was called Sex Work is Work. And it wasn't the first time I had spoken out about, you know, the unfairness in the sex industry, but Ginger really pointed it out. And she had named somebody who later on, because at the time it wasn't really known, that mm. person she was talking about was Ron Jeremy. Mm. And those who don't know who Ron Jeremy is, he is <laughs> quote unquote a porn legend, but he's also a sexual predator who is getting yeah. his his days in court and may he rot in hell for it. I'm going to say it because yeah. um, as someone who had, I'm not going to say the privilege and honor I had a very uncomfortable experience with him um, during my days at Vivid. Mm. And I was told, oh, don't be surprised if Ron does his his shake. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And everybody would joke around and say, there's the Ron Jeremy handshake. And that is where he will just come up to women and whip out their breasts, suck on them, do whatever he wanted. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. And uh didn't go so well with me. I flat out no. was like, this interview's over. I don't care who the fuck you are. You can get yeah. out of the studio now. Yeah. You know, and so years later, because I think this episode in particular was recorded around like 2018, 2019. And two years afterwards, that's when allegations started coming up and now he's getting his, he's getting what's coming getting to him. Due. He got Weinstein. Yeah, he yeah. got Weinstein. Wow. And you had that experience with him. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. So it, it's crazy. And then even talking to friends of mine like Lotus Lane and Anna Fox and I've had Misty Stone. These are top black women in porn and, you know, them talking about, the discrimination when it comes to being paid and the, the rates yes. that were, were given. That was one of the things I was hearing them talk about. Yeah. It's just, it, it's crazy. Even now, even after, you know, now we're two years into the pandemic, two years after everybody's talking about black lives matter. And yet there's still things in the porn industry that are not right mm -hmm. for black women, for black mm -hmm. performers. Yeah. What do you, have you had a lot of experience, Megan, with um, the aspect of the industry where people are talking about ethical porn? I've, you know, it's kind of interesting. I've heard a lot of talk about it. Mm -hmm. You know, again, I hear a lot of people talking about, oh, how we are, how we're going to change. We're going to change this. But the fact of the matter is, it's like you go on Pornhub, you go on to any porn tube site the names are still degrading as fuck. Mm. Okay. You buy a porn. I mean, even the porn company that I work for behind the scenes in just mm -hmm. simple QCing, which is quality control. So basically I make sure that the film is good before it goes out to streaming sites, to mm -hmm. DVD, whatever. The, the names are still degrading. You know, mm. I've had to sit in some of these meetings and be like, yo, uh, what are we doing? Right. Like we, you guys are saying that you want to change the face of certain names or, oh, you want to tone it down, but yet you're perpetuating it. 
exactly other breath like when you're saying that i'm not going to put the actress's name out there because that is the title of the movie but when you say so-and-so has a negro problem Mm -hmm. and that's the title of a of a movie yeah i don't care if it's 10 years five years old y'all have the responsibility of changing that yeah if hollywood can do that you know 20 years later down the road and you know give you the same movie but cut down some of the scenes pretty sure you can do the same in porn and there are ethical porn companies out there yeah but unfortunately it's just not i don't want to say it's not as popular it just hasn't hit the mainstream yet yeah Yeah. it just really hasn't not getting the the airplay not getting the the purchases the downloads the yeah yeah. shout out to shish.com by the way shish.com shish.com yes shish.com okay ethical porn made for women by women awesome i love it well and so some of the things that we're talking about here obviously um you know we can sex work is one topic and then this conversation around discrimination within sex work too you know for my listeners um megan you're a black woman (laughs) did you know yes y'all i'm black as hell And no, so, I, I'm like a mocha. I'm like a mocha, caramel mocha, if you will. You are actually a beautiful caramel mocha. Yeah. Thank you. And <laughs> and I think, you know, speaking that out, I think it, talking about this, whether we're talking about it in sex work, whether we're talking about it in porn, whether we're talking about it just in fetish community, BDSM, the world of kink, whatever it is, you know, one of the things that we also discussed is just this conversation around black sexuality and around multiple facets of that. But I know that that's a passion for you because it feels and is, it's not just feels as though there is a real lack of representation, right? In all of this around that. Yeah. Like I'm not about to sit here in the space and say, I'm an expert. Okay. I go to sex parties. I am polyamorous. Again, I've been talking about sex and sexuality and promoting healthy, healthy sexual lifestyles, promoting it. And if I can't personally speak out on my own experiences, I bring people into experiences over the years. That's what Sapphire's earplay was all about. Mm -hmm. Um, But also I think what people have always gravitated to were my stories because I would give out firsthand accounts of how, you know, I was always curious about getting into a certain thing, but I always felt that the representation wasn't there. The security was never there. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been to dungeons and play parties where I felt like I was more on the menu because I was something foreign Mm -hmm. rather than, oh, she's fucking hot. Let me get a piece of that kind of thing. And even still, that's a little territory and scary, but I've had more, I've had experiences where my blackness is more like going to the zoo and I don't like spaces like that. Even just outside of the dungeon lifestyle parties, just even just swiping in dating culture, mm-hmm. you know, the swipe culture. It's, it's always been a lot of that. Yeah. And then of the course, fetishization. Oh, yeah. huge, huge. And the fact that people always like to sexualize my voice. They're like, your voice is so soothing and sexy and mm, you must be good in bed. And, oh, you talk about sex on the radio too. Like, well, oh, I really want to get to know you. I'm like, 
<laughs> Y'all, that does not make me white. <laughs> like, I know my voice sounds good. That's why they pay me to do what I do. You know, I remember one of the first gigs I had doing traffic. They're like, you got to, can you pull back on your traffic <laughs> reports? And I'm like, no, this is my voice. You sound too sexy for traffic. Is yeah, that what they're, they're saying to they you? They said I was too sensual and too sexy for traffic. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> well, I don't know what to tell you. Then all of a sudden, actually, we've been getting some good reports and feedback. They're saying, this girl <laughs> has a up. very soothing voice. I'm like, yes, God damn it. Like, <laughs> Yeah. It is what it is. I'm sorry. I can't help it that I, yeah. I turned you on, but I'm trying to be informative. It's my informative <laughs> voice. giving you really good information about what your morning commute's going to be like. Yes. Yes. <laughs> in my case, I'm in the afternoon into the evening. So I get it. I get it. Okay. Yeah. Getting you in the mood so you don't crash to get to your date. I'm <laughs> helping y'all out. That's what I'm doing. Public service. Exactly. <laughs> doing that public service for us. Oh, Public man. service to get into that booty. <laughs> well, getting into that booty, huh? Getting into that booty. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can go there too, but uh <laughs> listen, I'm at your disposal. I told you we we do not have to censor shit with me. I no. will let I will tell you how it is. Well, tell me how it is. Tell me how it is being, you know, kind of you said polyamorous, you're a black woman. You are 90% lesbian for my listeners' benefit. Yes, yes. <laughs> but in a long-term partnership with a man. Yes, yes. Who is, who's Caucasian, I believe. Oh, he's white as hell. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's a true Southern gentleman. Love him to death. Um, we met on Tinder. I swiped right. And he obviously did too. Yes. Um, always joke around because it was his profile picture. It was him photoshopped running from a lion in a suit. <laughs> How could you not swipe right on that? <laughs> exactly. I just, I couldn't. I couldn't help myself. And then the fact that this man doesn't wear anything but a suit. Like yeah, you hikes, call him suit and tie? Yes. His name is okay, suit and Mr. Tie. Mr. Suit and Benjamin. Tie. Yeah. Um, yeah. He does not own regular clothes. <laughs> so we have gone camping together recently last year for the first time and he wore a suit and people all over the campsite one they loved our setup because my family and I we go glamping but like more vintage so we have the old school airstream oh. trailers sometimes you may see a classic car or two like we go all out like I want to every... go camping with your family <laughs> oh we have a blast we have a blast now mind you the sir will say this is not camping this is glamping well, I'm like, in for that too. Please, yeah. I would much rather glam. I, I like to camp in tents too, but I also sleep on an air mattress and I wanted to sleep in the trailer because we were camping in the middle of fucking winter into spring. It's too cold for that. Yeah. So mind you, um, so fast forward back to what I was originally saying. Um, yeah, I met him on Tinder. We had a great first date, a lot of sexual chemistry. But I came to realize this man does not own any regular clothes. He hikes. <laughs> he goes biking. If he wanted to, he wanted to get a fitness. The only time he really dresses down is when he's at the gym. And even then he's like, I want to wear a suit to the gym. 
So he does have a hiking suit. He has a camping suit. The only thing he doesn't have is a gym suit. suit. That's it. I feel like we're going to have to work on this. Does he have a wish list? I feel like we can make this happen. I keep telling him he needs to get a wish list. Okay. (laughs) A friend of mine has jokingly said on my Instagram live, she's like, girl, we're going to get you a a GoFundMe so you can have a California King bed so you can have all the fucking orgies. Because I have a lot of orgies at my house, but my bed is a full so you try doing the you math in big bed, girl. I need you a bed. You told me about a foursome last night. Did yes. you do that in a full? We did it in the full. We <laughs> could see it in the background. This is a very small bed. Is this where the magic happens? Oh, okay. Yeah. You need a bigger bed. I need a bigger bed. Yeah, you do. I need the bigger <laughs> bed. It's a lot. Just even for the two of us. I'm like, fuck, we do need a bigger bed. Yeah, totally. So. So when when did your journey into polyamory start for you? Was that pretty young or? No. So um, ironically, Suit and Tie and I, we got together. We just celebrated six years together. Three oh, years congrats. officially on the I Love You partnership. Yeah. But we've been fucking around and been with each other for six years. It's fucking crazy. So we decided to start venturing into polyamory around... 2017 okay and it was because of my now girlfriend at the time it was just friends that we bang met at a play party and just like had really good sexual chemistry her and her boyfriend or her partner um they had told me about their dynamic and polyamory and I was like oh my god I had heard of this term years ago in college and I had a couple come on. This is, again, polyamory has been around for years, sure. but it's really been getting more of the spotlight recently. Hmm. You know, it's been popularized. It's becoming, I don't want to say a fad because my lifestyle is anything but a fad. But hmm. to some people, it is becoming more of a fad and more for the gram. So anyways, we started venturing off into this at about 2017. And ever since then, it's just it's been a beautiful journey. And as I've told other podcast outlets and my own show, there's, there's really no right or wrong way to, you know, polyamory. It's just, it's how you take the journey Mm -hmm. and it comes down to respect and being vulnerable and transparent. Yeah. You know, it's not for everybody. It's Mm -hmm. not cheating. Because, you know, people ask me this all the time, like, you say that you're in a committed relationship, but he's dating other people, you're dating other people. And I'm like, yeah, and And? we all know about it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, we've, even if, you know, we're not, even if I'm not with, you know, Ben's people, suit and ties people per se in a sexual manner, we still have a friendship dynamic. Mm-hmm. We used to have a girlfriend that him and I had together and mm-hmm. also had our own solo journey with her. Mm-hmm. But her and I during quarantine and the fact that she's married and she literally had a baby the day after we broke up, oh, wow. we just realized it was just more of a friendship. And meanwhile, he, you know, she's still with Ben and, you know, is still managing her baby and her husband at the same time but everybody's journey is different it's just like I said those three things vulnerability transparency and just the honesty the trust 
Mm-hmm. You need that. Yeah. And I'm so I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to any of my shows, but I'm all about being real about the difficult moments that this type of journey brings about. I too am non-monogamous to my husband. My husband's monogamous to me. I have play partners. I have lovers. I have boyfriends. I have people in my life. And um, it is it is not easy always to kind of navigate these dynamics. And so not, you know, needing to blow lids off of anything that is personal or private to you, but like, I guess I'm always looking for people to share nuggets about getting through those difficult moments and what some of those big trigger moments might be in a more generalized sense. And I don't know, do you have anything to share about, you know, kind of areas that can be super fraught with difficulty and obviously getting through them with vulnerability, transparency, honesty, like those things is very helpful. But what are the moments? Like what are the big kind of catch moments? It's it's crazy because right now that's what I've been dealing with, especially since COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for a while, again, I've been doing this for years, but the seriousness of my partnerships really changed my perspective on things, especially during 2020 until last year. I was dealing with a lot of insecurities and, you know, the fact of the matter was it was just Ben and I. I was, you know, we quarantined from everybody. So we kept to ourselves, but I didn't see my other girlfriend and her partner for a year. And then when we did, um, you know, when it was a little bit safer here in LA, then we said, okay, we'll start going back to our other partners. But even then, Ben wanted to venture off and, you know, find new people. And for me, I was dealing with a lot of insecurities from the fact that one, I lost a lot of so-called friends that I wasn't sexually involved with, you know, necessarily, but more of, I lost a lot of friends out of this pandemic. Mm. And then I also wasn't feeling comfortable dating people outside and wondering, okay, are you getting tested? Are you vaccinated? The whole nine, because it's already a shit show and it's already hard. Just even before the pandemic, it was more of like, all right, we're having sex with numerous different people. When's the last time they were tested? Mm -hmm. And did you use protection? Mm -hmm. Then, of course, for me in my position, I also was diagnosed with herpes Mm -hmm. to start off 2020. Mm -hmm. So it really put a dent in me trying to have a sexual relationship with myself, let alone with others. So, you know, having herpes did change a lot. And then of course the pandemic hit. So it really changed. So for a year and a half, and especially when Ben and I decided to, um, he quarantined with me back in January of last year and it was only supposed to be for two weeks. And he never left. You're still living together. <laughs> yeah. And so we then decided in September to make it official, like, you're going to move in with me permanently because mm-hmm. you're already paying half the rent, paying the bills, but it doesn't make sense paying for space. Two places. In two places. So he finally caved in. And so I was like, okay, cool. But then jealousy came in of, you know. Yeah. 
other partners. And so it's just been a lot of, a lot of discussions, a lot of checking in. Yeah. You know, I tell people like anybody who tells you, you can't be jealous and polyamory or even being non-monogamous is a fucking liar. You can't control that emotion. No. You can acknowledge it. You can work with it, but you can't force it out of your life. No. And it's okay to feel jealousy. It becomes a problem when the jealousy doesn't get solved. Like you can't get jealous every time. And if you're, if you are so worried about like your own home foundation, maybe this is not the lifestyle for you because Mm -hmm. if you're going to be involved with somebody who's dating multiple people, whether or not you're monogamous to them, you know, if you're not securing the home base, then y'all should not be going out. Right. And, and trying to gather and collect bodies at this point. Because that's really what it's coming really down to, too. It's like I'm seeing a pattern with certain folks that are claiming to be ethically non-monogamous or polyamorous. And I'm like, no, you're you're out here just collecting bodies and you're not being honest with your partners. Mm-hmm. Like if mm-hmm. I'm with you on a date and your partner is blowing you the fuck up as if they didn't know you were out on a date. Mm-hmm. I can't be in this situation. I'm not messy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I respect all parties involved or not involved. I just respect the person. Yeah. You know, I respect those boundaries. So I hope that answers your question. No, it totally does. And I want to thank you for your vulnerability because it is, it's hard sometimes to talk about this stuff. I know that you're an open book and willing to do so, but talking about those things, about insecurities, about jealousy, it's, it's difficult stuff. It um, is. And then you throw in the mix of it. You mentioned herpes and, and the way that we as a society have stigmatized STIs, the way we talk about people testing clean versus what's not, okay, what am I, if I'm not clean, what am I right? Like, right. And, and so also throwing that particularly vulnerable share in, I guess now having brought that up is, is that something that you're passionate about in terms of awareness around sexual conversations around testing around STIs and destigmatizing all of that? As I say, shout out to my girl, my, I call her my soul sister. Um, safe slut safe slut yeah (laughs) I want to talk that's that's my New York sister and she was the you know the person that helped me come out on my platform Mm, you know I stumbled across her um her account early into 2020 when I was dealing with my own insecurities and trying to figure out like okay I got to tell my partners and what's going to happen if I want to go venture off with other people and you know she really helped me in a dark time and even when I brought her on to my show um I think it's actually called safe slutting with herpes um if you guys go on to sapphire's airplay on my website or on any streaming platform um I think we even talked about it where I told her I'm not sure if I'm going to share it publicly but if I do will you help me? And she did, you know, I just came out with it and it's crazy because I was more scared to come out to say that I had herpes than I had talking about my own abortion. Cause I have definitely talked about my abortion more freely than I ever felt more comfortable 
talking about herpes, which is crazy. Isn't that a bitch, right? Like we have so stigmatized everything around it. And the reality, folks, if you've done your research on STIs, is that (laughs) herpes is so much more common than you would ever know. And I'm talking herpes too. I'm not talking the cold sore variety on your lip. Yeah. But I mean, I'm talking and the number of folks that go undetected with it. I mean, if we really had a true snapshot of what the world would look like in that particular vein, I would I would venture to guess that like one in four or five people have it. Yeah, I mean, the statistics are one in five people do have herpes and believe it or not, it's manageable. Like yeah. I have not had an outbreak and I shit y'all not a year and a half. The last yeah. outbreak I had was in 2020, yeah. two months after my first outbreak. Yeah. So that says a lot. That's so much misinformation, so much fear. Yes. And so what I do is just, you know, what they don't tell you is that, you know, the only way you're going to know if you are tested for herpes, if you're positive for herpes, one, of course, is the obvious symptoms, you know, the cuts on your labia or any parts of your genitals, um, soreness, wet redness, you know, Mm -hmm. if it looks like a hair bump, but it's not feeling like a hair bun. Mm-hmm. Or of course, if it's on your mouth, it's, you know, the crusties, the pus, mm-hmm. you can mm-hmm. get it on your hands too. You know, yeah. again, look for those symptoms. But of course, what you can do is on top of your STD, STI um, panel, you have to ask for a herpes antibodies test. Mm. And it will actively tell you if the herpes variants are in your system? And if so, is it at a high cell count or is it at a low cell count? If it's undetectable, then you're fine. Still Mm -hmm. use barriers, especially if it's not with a long longtime partner. Up until Mm -hmm. recently, my long-term boyfriend and I, my life partner and I decided we're good. We're okay. Mm -hmm. We're not going to use barriers. Mm -hmm. But I also get tested every two to three months just to make sure that my antiviral loads are at a low. Gotcha. You know, so I always just make sure of that. Every two to three months, I I highly suggest if you can do it, get it done, but you have to specifically ask for it. It's not going to be done on a regular STD, STI panel. You have to ask for it. Yeah. And half the time with herpes, you have to ask for it anyway is what I'm hearing from people. They say that like it's not part of regular panels, which I see when I take my tests. It's often not part of the panel. It's not. Yeah. So yeah. it's like unless if your doctor knows this is what you're you know, doing, you're like, hey, I, it's, it's time for the antivirals. I need to check my antibodies. Mm-hmm. That's the only time you're going to know. So you got yeah. to ask your doctor or if you go to Planned Parenthood, which I believe you can still ask them and say, hey. I have a partner who had an outbreak. We were unprotected or we were protected, but now I'm feeling like I'm having some symptoms. Can we check? So there are ways to check. And if someone says no, just go to a different clinic, go to, to be honest. Because yeah. I've heard that too, where, you know, they're like, well, unless you have it. And it's like, no, that's not the case. Like, yeah, you can still check if you're undetectable or not, or, you know, detectable, positive, not positive. Let's yeah. take the clean, dirty out and just call Please. for what it is. That's yeah. And and I have some 
women in my sphere, we have this group of slut sisters per se, and we're starting an organization called slut sisters. And this is a big conversation. A lot of the time, some of the women in there are super passionate about, and I'm all on board with destigmatizing it. Let's stop using the fucking lingo of clean and dirty. And yeah, exactly. Positive, not positive. And like everything can be worked around and worked with. And so, absolutely. I mean, yeah. if you guys go digging around, you're going to hear me say a lot of shit because of ignorance and because times sure. have changed. Don't we all? Yeah. yeah. But I have we actually, yeah. And I've taken full responsibility because that's also what happens in this world of sexuality. You know, everybody likes to hop on and say, I have a sex podcast. Talk to me when your sex podcast is 12 years in the game and still can be relevant now. And you can actually go back and be like, I fucked up. Let's change the narrative. Yeah, beautiful. Oh, and that's what I have that done. Is huge. Oh my God. Take I that, Joe Rogan. <laughs> Take that. <laughs> I'm just saying. Just saying, not saying. Mm. Oh my God. That conversation went in a direction I wasn't planning for, but I'm I'm so grateful that you were so vulnerable in your share and willing to talk about that because it is it is both the jealousy and polyamory and the conversations around destigmatizing STIs and all of that. I just think it's so necessary and relevant for the times that we're in, the world we want to be living in, you know, not the world we are living in. Listen, it's only a matter of time that, you know, we had the Tinder swindler documentary. It's only going to be a matter of time. There's going to be a Tinder STD bandit on the loose, okay? Because <laughs> I, I know for a fact I most likely contracted herpes from one of my lame Tinder fucks. Mm. I, I'm very convinced because my my group of folks, yeah. one, um, I think only one of us is positive and they got, were positive from, again, a Tinder conquest, not from mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And then all my other partners are negative yeah and let's be real get caught in the heat in the moment but don't be like me don't be stupid and just say okay (laughs) i'll try it once i know you just got tested and i got tested well clearly somebody lied right Right. (laughs) Or somebody's test panel wasn't a full one. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what I think, like, I'm strongly convinced. And it's not, it has nothing to do with being promiscuous. You can have one partner and still get an STD, STI. Let's also change that narrative too. Because when I came out and said that I had herpes and I talked to what I thought was, you know, my, my role dog, that person was like, well, maybe this time this will make you reconsider what you consider oh, don't love. don't you slut shame me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they try to deny it after the fact. And I'm like, um, the text message is clear as day. I showed yeah. it to the other partners and they're like, the fuck is their problem? Right. Slut shaming. Yeah. It's, we, it's not cute. It's not cute, y'all. It's not. But it makes people feel better about themselves, oh, I guess. I don't worse. know. Of course. <laughs> oh my God, Megan. Thank you so much for your time today. I mean, I could sit here and talk to you for hours. I know, but in right? The interest of time and <laughs> knowing that you had a foursome last night and you got a date tonight, I, I got to give you some free time. <laughs> I got to go back to sleep. That's what it is. I'm about to take nap number three. I'm not going to lie, you guys. 
Good, good, good. I'm so glad. Well, before I let you go do that, I want you to tell people what's up in your life um, in terms of what's relevant for you, what projects are up. So let us know where to find you and and kind of what you're working on right now. You can find me at MsRadioSapphire.com. That's M-S-R-A-D-I-O-S-A-P-P-H-I-R-E.com. Also, Ms. Radio Sapphire, same spelling, on Instagram, Sapphire's Your Play on Instagram. My Twitter is no longer. Everybody keeps asking me. Damn it. That's another story we wanted to talk about. Women and safety. We're coming back. We could come back. I can come back for that. But (laughs) uh, Twitter, I'm never, I'm not allowed to. I've tried to fly under the radar. Twitter doesn't like me and that's okay. Fuck y'all. Just like fuck Instagram. At least they're still letting me have one. Um, I I am on the Moan app. That's M-O-N. And the O has a little line on the top. Also at Ms. Radio Sapphire on there. And I actually recently held a panel, which is called Horny for Horror. And it's in a three-part series. Part one is out right now. And actually all three parts. We're in March. All three parts are actually out right now. And just stay in touch on there because I'm going to start doing more um, chats. I think I'm going to do a chat um, later this month just in time for my birthday because my birthday is March 22nd. So I got to do something. Absolutely. I'll be there. I was there for your horror chat. I just was silent as fuck because it does not make me horny. It scares the shit out of me. But it was a good chat though, right? It was a really good chat. I was on for a good hour and a half and it was awesome. So you all (laughs) definitely need to check that out. Check Megan out there. Check her out on all of her socials. Such great conversations. Everything's so relevant for the times that we're in and the times that we've been in and will be in in the future. So thank you for your time today, Megan. What a delight. Thank you. 